right, so we're going to start this off with a cheers. Cheers. Sunday fun day. Welcome to the Live Dispatch. Uh, Welcome, people. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to get to our sponsor right away. Our sponsor is Sunday yeah. Fun Day uh, Rally, right. which is when you get drunk, shoot a podcast, and then you sober up and eat really good food that Cheech cooks, and then you get drunk for another podcast. And that's what we're doing today. So welcome to Sunday Fun Day. I grow rather well. He grows really well. I, I grow rather well. Yummy, yummy. Right. I learned that American cheese is not actual cheese, and I still love it. I don't care. So here's an interesting uh, fact for you. Um, if you actually take craft cheese and put it on a like skillet, right? Okay. It's the only cheese that will not melt to the skillet, like to the, to like a flat griddle, like. So it's you, a superior cheese. Is that what we're saying? No, we're saying it's not cheese. It sounds superior to me. Superior cheese. Uh, I'm sorry, I take that as superior cheese. <laughs> Somebody has genetically engineered better cheese. It tastes better, it doesn't stick to shit, and it probably has a shelf life of like two years. You know what? I'll give that to you only because only because I really like spam and my wife has no idea. You like I, spam? Oh my god. It could be good, it could be very good. If spam had like its own like thing, like Almond does. Like, I know it's in a can and everything, but like fried spam, oh my god. Oh, fried spam spam, spam miracle whip, and a little bit of that genetically engineered cheese. Uh, engin yeah, cheese. Uh, we'll oh my it, god. We'll call it Chess. We'll call it Chess. We'll call it Chess. So, real quickly, when I was like 14, 13, I won a spam eating contest. I was upside down, so we had to hold my legs up in the air while I ate uh, raw spam off a plate, and I did it the fastest. <laughs> I okay, also so, have the chubby bunny record. So welcome to episode uh, nine. Um, yes, we, nine. We, we told you that we were going to tell you a little bit about us and a little bit about where we came from. Mm -hmm. uh, we said, Actually, we, let's not lie to them. We yeah. told you that we were going to talk about local artists. And um, we have decided since that we're going to spotlight local artists differently in different episodes to give them more credit than yeah. what we would be able to give them now. So instead, we're gonna tell you all about our past and our trials and tribulations. Yes. And fun stuff that we've done. And because uh, part of this is just about getting to know us and, you know? <laughs> we mentioned we mentioned before that we've both been in bands for quite a long time, mm. different bands, different uh, uh, forms of music. And, and really like, you know, like I was into photography, you were into graphic design, mm. we had a lot of stuff going on there. But our main love was like music. Mm -hmm. And so I'll tell you this quick story. Uh, I met Mark, <sighs> Christ, I was, I, I was in my first band when I was 12 years old. It had been about 18, 19 years ago. Yeah, no, it's probably been longer than that. No, I was about I'm 20 whenever I got into Drop Monday and I met you like right around so the beginning of that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because I remember I turned 21 in the first year of Drop Monday. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yep. So it would have been about, I'm 38. So it would have been about 18 years ago. I'm 36. So I was about 18. Uh, and I had known Brandon. He used to practice at this place called WPMG Music, Western yep. Pennsylvania Musicians Group. Uh, it was wing nuts. It was the weirdest place ever. So what you got to understand is that bands have to practice somewhere. Normally, everybody thinks it's people's garages and shit. 
there are actually like practice facilities, like practice places that you can rent out, leave your equipment there, have a key to the room, like go in. This way you don't out. piss off wives and siblings and right. mothers and fathers. Neighbors, Neighbors. All that bullshit. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> at the time, the place that he bought was a bar that had hotel rooms upstairs. It was a brothel, basically, mm -hmm. back in the day that they turned into a gym and then turned into a practice facility. So the downstairs had this big stage with like a drum kit that anybody could use. And yeah, it was line. already supplied with gear. Yeah, it was, it was super weird. It was like, it was cool, but it was just like weird anyway. Um, so long story short, um, <laughs> so we met years and years ago and Mark and I have just been friends ever since. Mm -hmm. Um, the first show I ever played drum on, like Brandon and I, who Brandon will be on the show one day. Brandon was the lead singer of Drum Monday and the lead, like I was the lead singer. He was also a singer and played mm -hmm. guitar and, and the dream intended. I mean, he was a crazy songwriter, like very emotional, very passionate, uh, and really like made everything fun. Like, you know, when you're in a band and anybody that's in a band can relate to this, it's almost like being in a relationship. The people that you uh -huh. play music with are the people that you're like, you know, you get the most offended by, like, oh my God, so and so didn't text me back. You it's know, like, like family. It's, it's exactly truly like, like family. You yeah. know how pissed off you get at people, but you know they'll yeah. always love you, right? Right. It's the same concept. Same you know? idea. Same idea. And even when you get pissed off, you, you still work it out. And what I found is that that is one of the keys to people liking your band. Yes. They want to be part of what you have. And if mm -hmm. you show that on stage, uh, Drop Monday was was good at recording, but we were ultimately a live band. We had yeah. a great time live. We did, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of movement. And that's what made people want to follow Drop Monday and be a part of Drop Monday is they wanted to be a part of that connection that we had, you know. Yeah. Um, same with the dream attended. I mean, that's how it works. It's, I, I was kind of a band whore. I I was in uh, I was in a lot of bands. I was in a rock rap band called Unspoken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was in a ska band called The Scothentics. I was in another one uh, called The Pistol Jacksons. I played trumpet. Trumpet. I played trombone. Um, we moved on to a band called The Have Nots after that which was like a punk ska band uh they really, were a good time good band really got some traction we were sponsored by like pbr that's where i really started to like learn the music industry mm -hmm. at the same time like i'm also like hanging out with drop monday and like trying to get my own thing started uh which is where the dream intended started to come in the, the have not started to fall apart um i was part of the brass holes which was like the horn section for <laughs> i love that name for the the have-nots which uh if you ever get a chance youtube haze woes and beers by the have-nots that was our cd uh that were released um so then we get into the dream intended and i start playing a little bit with uh drop monday here and mark and i remember the first show that i had ever played with drop monday and i was still in the have-nots and I was just telling Mark this a few minutes ago. So we're playing at some gymnasium in some high school. I have no idea. It's like, oh, I don't even want to say, whatever. Anyway, 
Um, and there was a couple of bands. Everybody's warming up. There's like it's it's just real low key. There's like a stage, but like nobody's really like on it. They're kind of. It was on a the stage side. in the middle of the gymnasium. It was all like no. at, at one end. Yeah, it was on it was, one. It end. was like a, just a flat stage that was risers. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It was Penn State McKee Sports. Yeah, it was. Party, yeah, it was weird. I remember that setup. Um, so Brando had a van that we came in and we were like all right well our set's not for an hour let's go out to the van and party for a little bit and uh, i'm thinking you know we're gonna go out to the van and have like a beer or two and we go out to the van and uh hot box it um and i uh at the time was you know i i smoked a lot of weed but like i was really high uh, so sometimes environments and new yeah. environments and different situations can make your high more intense yeah and i walk into this auditorium filled with like teenagers and they're all like ready to rock and i'm like uh, uh, you uh, really didn't have much parts at this point you were no. so fresh that like you didn't quite know the singing parts, you, and, you know. Yeah, you yeah. guys had like ten or twelve songs, and I was only part of like three of them. And I was Brandon was just like, "Dude, just dance around in the background. We would just love having you." And I was just like, <laughs> "Hype man, yeah, hype man. Like who has a hype man at an alt show, alt rock show? Like, but whatever. I did it because I thought, what the hell? I'm fine. It was fun. Yeah. Like, you know, and like these are the things that I'm talking about. Like you can't have that chemistry with just everybody. I got one mean? for you. All yeah. right. So when I was joining Drop Monday, mm-hmm. um, I really didn't want to be in a band. I was getting out of a relationship. I, I just didn't want to be into a band. Um, my drummer buddy, who we'll also have on here, um, you know, I mean, buddy was a big part of Drop Monday and yeah. a big part of any other band I was in, really. And uh, he kept calling me. He's like, you got to come listen to this guy. You got to come listen to this guy. And uh, I remember one day I just gave in. I was like, fuck it. You know, let's go. And I went down to his place, his mom's place. And, you know, we're, we're 18, 19. And, uh, no, this was a buddy's mom's place in okay. South Park. It was just down okay. the street. So I go down and I meet Jay and Brandon. And I remember my first thoughts of Jay. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? But Brandon, so he picks up an acoustic guitar and he sings Ocean Town for me. Just him on acoustic. And I was blown away. I, I mean, my first thought was, I can market this guy. Like, I got to be a part of this. And so I joined them. We did two practices in a week. And then that weekend, they had a show at Pitt Johnstown. No, uh, yeah, it was basically it was a rugby party after a rugby week at like Cal U or something. And we were out at somewhere by Pitt Johnstown in, in a town called Jerome, I think. And uh, we're at this little fucking house. We set up, I know, like two songs of the six we're going to play. I'm, you know, my butthole so puckered and these rugby like and i'm not much of a drinker i'm a smoker and stuff you know so we go out and i'm i'm blitz but you know everybody else is hammered and these big fucking rugby guys start fighting over something massive brawl right and uh, you're talking like probably 60 full-grown giant men just just wailing on each other in this little house so we all form a line to like block the gear and like we're getting spears thrown on us and beers getting thrown on the gear brandon goes to jump in for some reason i don't know what the fuck he had a fight in this for we grab him no you know you're like you're with us you know and i'm thinking as this has gone on 
this is so fucking rock and roll right here. Like, I'm so in on this. God damn, these guys are great. So then we play our set. Everybody has a good time. We're out there to get beer at the keg, and another fight starts at the keg. Same people, you know, another 60 people brawling outside the keg. And I remember sitting back, smoking, watching this thing going, fucking, hey, I cannot wait to see where this goes. I, I, you know what? In good all times. honesty, it is good times. Here's what you got to understand, right? Like, when somebody tells you, like, yeah, I'm in a band. Like, you should come out and see my band sometime, right? Like, you're going to see a show. You're going to see a performance, whether that show is good or bad. Mm -hmm. But the work and the effort that the band members have put into actually creating this entertainment environment is unbelievable. And what actually happens is even crazier. Like, it's just, it's nuts how things work out. I want to say in most places, the work they put in. Yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's just, there's no work. Yeah, sometimes it's just like, you know what, uh, I really don't care. You know? Yeah. And then there's other times where it's like, okay, this band is driving from like another state to like come and play with us. Like yep. maybe we should get a crap. Those were the yeah, worst. Because like Drop Monday played, uh, I figured about 100 shows a year. We ended up roughly playing, you know, one weekend night and one weeknight. You know, sometimes it was Friday and Saturday. We did that for years and, um, gotta be honest we know a lot of people had a lot of friends but we did not have that many friends we yeah. could not fill those fucking seats every night you know you maybe get one good show a month out of it i used to i used to make this analogy to people like think of your absolute favorite band right mm-hmm. like your your absolute like me motion city soundtrack like butch walker like those are like some of my like favorite artists you know what i mean like but if they were playing every weekend at a venue like a regular venue or a different venue like around Pittsburgh. Like, yeah, I I wouldn't go every night. Couldn't like, afford to number. One. I mean, yeah, yeah, like our shows might have been cheap to get at five bucks at the door or something. But right, then you got to drink, have a good time. You know, I mean, you don't have to. Well, not only that, but it's like <laughs> you know, you want to get involved, you want to have a good time, but like you're gonna get bored with it. You oh know yeah, what I mean, like I mean, we're not writing that much material every week, and you know, right. Like, you know. So, yeah, there were always the diehards, the people that felt like they had to be there, you know. Which, you know, mad, mad credit to. Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, so it's hard. It's difficult. Like, you know, support your local musicians because they need it. When you can. And if you're a local musician, do not oversaturate your market. Yeah, like, don't get offended easily either. Like, you got to understand that people have lives. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Most of the time, like, musicians, we did it because we loved it. So, like, we pay to play, like, and when we oh, yeah. pay to play, it's like, we would buy the tickets just so that we could play the show. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And then give them out for free because we wanted people to come and see us. Yeah. Like, we knew our people couldn't buy $25 tickets, though. Right. So we'd fucking buy it and then get reimbursed you know with the show money or whatever or, or not it didn't really matter you know yeah it didn't it didn't matter because everybody was coming out everybody was having a good time everybody had stories to tell afterwards yeah. like what happened like i can't even tell you like i i had the the i don't know what you would call it i had the luxury of living with my band members oh yeah 
we rented out like a five bedroom house and there was like six of us and like we all lived together. It was your band like, of Birdman, right? Yeah, it was, it was our band of Birdman <laughs> minus like one member. Yeah. Like still him. It's like, so basically like we had like a kegerator and like we had like parties every night and like, you know, you, you live this like rock star lifestyle in Pittsburgh and it's like, you know, you start to realize like, what's more important to you you know what i mean the music so but we were always pushing always pushing because we love the music we love the brand and we supported it like like i never felt uncomfortable getting in my car and listening to a recording at full like full tempo like full full sound and just being like yes this is us you know yeah full on (laughs) yeah it's, yeah, I mean, and so I felt like that with Drop Monday a lot too. Like you put it on, and even if stuff's like you re- you recognize missed notes or things, right. you're still like, damn, you some s- good shit. You're always going to an artist is always going to find a flaw in something. Oh yeah, right. Like, Nothing you're gonna do is perfect, but most right. people don't know it. Right. Remember right. that most people do not know it. Right. You're the only person that that knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it just like. It cracks me up. So, like, you know, you think you know all this stuff about the music industry, and every day you learn more and more and more and more and more. When I got into the Dream Intended, the Dream Intended, like, you know, started taking off, and we started moving, we started getting traction, started figuring out what we needed to do, and at the time, Facebook and MySpace, or excuse me, MySpace was, like, the big thing, you know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah, I never got into that, though. And uh, we got approached by like all these bands and we were playing shows outside of states and like in the state and like all over the place and like doing all this fun shit and like just having a good time. And we got approached by a record label and we were like, oh, a record label wants us. Like they came to a show, they saw us, they liked us. They the wanted, golden they fucking ticket. Us. Right, the golden <laughs> ticket. Okay, so this is where Experience 101 comes in. So. Uh, indie record labels, right? Indie record labels have to be a subsidiary of a major record label. Let me rephrase that. The way it works is kind of like a hierarchy. So you have your major record labels, your indie record labels, and then your indie indie record labels, right? Your indie indie record labels sign all these like local artists, right? And they're all over in every city, right? In every town, like major city. <coughs> They sign you, right? The top, they might sign like 20 artists, right? Of those 20 artists, they help them a little bit with like recording and playing shows, like with a booking manager, just a little bit. And they see who is the best. Out of those, the next sister indie label takes them over. The bigger sister indie label takes them over. And they take the top ones off of each layer there. And then they compete through SoundScan, which is what digital downloading is, buying CDs, the whole nine yards, right? And they look at the numbers and they go, well, okay, these are the top ones. Let's sign these guys to the major Like, that's how it works. So we didn't know that. And the dream intended was like, wow, this record label wants to sign us. They're called Sound Spectrum Records. They have a magazine. You look oh them up God. online, they have a website, you're right. like, oh shit. They have an Angel Fire <laughs> website, like, wow. <laughs> we totally got to sign with these Big guys. Time. 
Um, so, but then we started doing some research, right? And you started looking at the other artists that they put out. And you notice that you're their first one. And they have one more that they're getting ready to. And you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's kind of sketchy. Like, who's the other artist? And the other artist sounds nothing like you. It's like a fairy tale I want to be. Yeah, like you nothing know? like you. You're like, you, it's like you're a hip hop artist that just got signed to a country label, and you're yeah. like, wait a second, this is not. I'm, I'm gangster rap, not country. What the hell? Like, so, you know, we get the contracts in front of us, and we're like, look, we're not gonna sign. Like, we need to look it over. We need to have our lawyer look it over. What we want. And we want them going on. The thing is, when you have one label looking at you, that's not necessarily good. No. You want it's better than none, but you know. Right. You want them fighting. Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> Monday. Right. You want them fighting them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you don't take the first thing you did. Uh, later on down the line, the Dream Team did take a, a record deal. Uh, it was a subsidiary of a major record label, which I'll, I, I won't mention. Um, and we had a producer in New York that, like, you know, was a agent, <coughs> manager, and all that good stuff. And we recorded tracks. We did some stuff with Fox TV. Like, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. And in the end... It was either like, you know, kind of shit or get off the pot. Are we going to take this to the next level and give it a shot, or is this it? Because one, we're getting tired of it. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of effort, a lot of energy goes unpaid. You have no idea. Like, every waking moment that I wasn't at work trying to make money was trying to sell this band and sell this brand and what went into it because I believed it. That's why we've learned we don't give a shit about we just want to do this. Right. This is just about doing it. I mean if it makes it it makes it we don't give a shit but cool. Like oh, if you guys like it, cool. By the way, brand we got stickers coming. I ordered them between the eighth and ninth episode here today. And I already got the proof and they look sick. So that's the truth Yeah. So right. We let's go ahead and cheers to that. Cheers to that. Wait, I gotta reach my hair. Okay, I got it. We cheers. Stickers. Cheers to that. We're gonna sticker everybody's car. All five of you, Loudy. <laughs> so if you want a Loudy sticker, uh, email us. Loud dispatch. Email us. Facebook us. Instagram us. Twitter us. Whatever you know. Tweet us. We'll figure it out. Gmail us. We yeah, know. Right. Just let us know. Yeah, let us know. Call us. Most of you actually like know us or live with us. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we do this for you guys and for us because it's yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. Let us know. So, Mark. Cheech. How many bands have you been in? Like, I've had a drop Monday, like, jam session wise. Like, what are you All right. like? I think a total of four. One of them was for one show. It okay. was after Drop Monday and everything. And we were called something like White on Rice on a Paper Plate in a Snowstorm with a Glass of Milk. It was something really stupid like that. And we did it just because, uh, you know, Lechek. Yeah. Lechek is a drummer who drummed with Drop Monday a little bit. Um, you know, some other bands we played with, uh, good friend Luge. Uh, 
he his wife was doing some kind of party or get together and um you know it was kind of a big deal uh, big event so we put a band together learned like 10 covers we like i went out and rocked it we all wore uh, i think we had black shirts red ties black pants white shoes or something or white ties and white shoes i don't know it was slick i mean it was cool we could have done people were like oh that was great you know but I, th- I know the people own the place apparently and they were there and they were like oh that was really good you guys want to play other places and i was like i don't think we're designed to do that but uh i'll ask you know but it never went anywhere and then i played in a band called we had three different names in high school uh, uncle monkey dead monkey because we found out that there was an uncle monkey in australia already so we killed uncle monkey it was dead monkey and we had another name. I can't remember what it was right now. Um, that might have been it. It might have been three full bands. And then I jammed with numerous people trying to start bands. And, you know, I never felt good enough about it to get us out there. You know. Which I fully understand. I, I actually, I fully understand that. There's a lot of bands that I know where they're like, you know, we're a band. And you're like, oh, where do you play? And they're like, nowhere yet. Yeah. I have a band. Why, you do? What's why, your name? I don't know. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Like, why not? Like, get your stuff out there. It doesn't matter if it sucks. It doesn't matter because the only way that you're going to get better is by playing terrible shows. Yep. I can't Got tell right. you, like, okay, so I played trumpet and trombone in, like, ska bands for a long time. Like, all through high school, like, out of, in college, like, played trumpet and trombone. So I know that instrument, like, inside and out, like, any brass instrument know it inside and out. Same like Mark knows the basses inside and out. Like, yeah, we'll say. like nobody's business, right? Thing is though, is like humidity plays a huge part. And like, especially in tuning, the brass holes had a belly sack player, a tenor sack player, an alto sack player, and two trumpet players. Okay, trumpet slash trombone players. That's a lot of horns plus a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer to all try to keep in tune oh, yeah. for every song in a bar or in a restaurant or outside or wherever they want you to play, wherever the venue is. So, like, my point being is that I've played a lot of terrible, terrible shows. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know it. You, you know you played a bad show. Then you've also played shows that have been like nothing you can ever experience in your entire life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this, I think, can go across the board for any artist. Like, if you are a chef and you create something for somebody that is your idol and they adore it and they love it, that's something that's like, you know what I mean? Or like, if you're, you know, whatever, a painter and you, somebody you idolize like sees your artwork and like enjoys it like even if it's not somebody you idolize anybody who sees your emotional output mm-hmm. and appreciates appreciates it uh that's a huge feeling and when you get hundreds of people to thousands of people in a room that appreciate your creative and emotional output uh it is a feel and not only that because that's great in itself but when the band is together when everything's tight, when that groove is perfect. And maybe this is because I'm a bass player, but I think it's for all yeah. musicians. Yeah. Is when when that when the band is just 
right on. And sometimes it's only for a matter of a couple minutes a show. It is euphoric. You know what I mean? That yeah. that beautiful feeling of of just every note on time, every note like perfect and oh. So quick story. We we used to play a lot of shows for Faded Industries, and they're good friends of ours, great people. Like totally follow them, totally check them out. Faded Industries, um, but they used to put on these shows, right? So we were playing a show at like the World or Metropole, one of those places that just bars that just kept changing names and changing yeah. names, right? Yep. So we're playing this show, and as we're playing it, the middle of the song, all the power cuts out. <laughs> yep. This is on YouTube, too. You can look it up. Clip you. <laughs> the crowd was singing along, and we were still going. So we just kept the song going, and when the power came back on, we actually were on page and like oh, right on nice. nut, right on note, nice. and everything clicked on and worked the way it was supposed to. And like, these are moments that like you can never actually have unless you're like that one cohesive group all thinking together and all on the same page. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like playing, you know, uh, Drum Money had a drummer who was also our producer for a while, Tommy Mizell. Tommy and I, I've known him for a long, long, long time. Longer than I've known anybody else at Drop Monday or anything. I've known, because I knew him from my first band. And um, Good people. Yeah, he's a good dude. And he was tough. You know, he'd tell you if you were off. <laughs> yeah. He would tell you, man. And, um, you know, let me say this. I didn't, I, although he was a, I mean, extraordinary drummer. I Maybe top, a top five in the state, maybe. I mean, he was amazing. Uh, he had a way about him that was very crude and direct and, you know, um, but he, he definitely helped us out a ton, helped me out personally, you know, learning to anticipate the note, Yeah, which was something I wasn't used to doing, Yeah, you know, um, yeah, good times of it. Yeah. You know, so let me ask you this, what ended Dream Attended? A lot of things. It was the fact that like the label that we got signed to signed us to a three song demo which we did they hooked us up with a booking agent who was supposed to book us on weekends like on weekend tours and wound up booking us in like places that we were not able to get to on like a wednesday night like yeah yeah like on a wednesday night at some like split door show club yeah and you're like well i'm not going to drive all the way to like vermont to play a show where I'm 35 bucks if that like if I get the gas money like not only that but not me and my six band members or five band members are not going to do this like it's not going to happen like we have to take off work like that day and the next day right so it's finding the right cohesion and at the point we were all kind of like burnt out like we I had started a hip hop project called the Merlin Brandos which like was like really getting traction i was doing a lot of video work at the time like Mm -hmm. i just like and i was really getting into baking and it was like i just 
I, I didn't have time for it. Not to mention, like, we had all met, like, significant others, and it was kind of hard because, you know, the significant other that I met happens to be my wife. It's and, hard to have multiple families. Right. Like we said at the very beginning of this podcast, a band is like a relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it really is. So trying to have multiple relationships, it's very difficult. Like, Bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know um, what I mean. Like multiple relationships in a band is one thing because you all have the com same common interest. But yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like, not saying that you can't have a girlfriend or a wife and still be in a band because that's totally it's acceptable. possible. It's totally acceptable. For me, it just wasn't. You know what I mean. And for the I, rest of my band members, I feel like, the same way. So, Drop Monday, Drop Monday started ending because, um. We we all started growing our separate ways, and yeah. you know um, the dream of making it big. So at the beginning, one of us had a great job, like a hundred thousand dollar a year job, or you know early on in life. So that he was already very. Um, we're not going to do tours or anything unless we get signed like a million dollar contract, right? Which we knew was never going to happen. So right off the bat, although we could gain some traction, we never had that that urge to go out and tour and stuff. Um, we just did a lot of local shows. We did a lot of shows out, you know, other areas, other states, but never on a tour basis. But we just started, you know, you spend so much time with somebody, you start to hate them sometimes. Oh, yeah. You know, you know that like, you know, even in, in any relationship, the more time you spend with somebody, the more you start to despise them. and we got to that point and some of it was irreparable and um you know i mean i've remained friends with everybody um and most of us have but some of us just won't see eye to eye anymore and um i was also getting married shortly after drop monday broke up and one of us had already been married uh, lots of different things buddy i think was getting married mm -hmm. he was married before me so he might have been married already uh maybe shortly after this breakup but uh yeah, you know, you tend to go different ways. Sometimes relationships end. And that's what happened to Drop Monday and the Dream Attended, really. Yeah. And that's the best way to, to summarize it. Like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to change that factor. But looking forward, knowing that in the future, like if you ever were to get into another band, knowing that like, hey, this is the commitment that it takes. And I think even doing this podcast is like some sort of commitment. Oh, there's definitely right? a level of commitment, you know, and we both find it hard to sync up our schedules. Uh, right. You know, we work kind of a similar schedule, but you start so much earlier than you wake up just earlier than I do, period. That's your yeah. problem. Yeah. So you go oh, to yeah. bed a lot yeah. earlier than I do. And Tons of issues. With the kids and everything, you know, we might get a chance to teach an Ida text here and there throughout the week, make a call, maybe do a Zoom meeting so we could discuss the next podcast once a week. We're trying to get together every two weeks to get a couple episodes done now. Thing, uh, we could do them online, but this is so much more fun. Not, not to interrupt you, but the, oh, thing, the thing that I love I most care. about it is, is like the fact that we can do and talk about whatever we want to, because you and I have very interesting conversations most of the time. We're goofy as fuck. Which <laughs> we, a lot of, we are. And you like, know, which a, but we're also somewhat intelligent, so it allows us to have deeper conversations on a very fun level i think i think intelligence is one thing and i think experience is we, use it we have we've had a lot of experiences <laughs> okay 
All right, we, I'll, I'll go with that. Cheers to that. Cheers we, to experiences. We've had a lot of experiences. Let's say intelligence is lacking in this couch. <laughs> no, intelligence is learned on this couch. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. Uh -huh. The past always repeats itself. So, like, you know, the Roaring Twenties, you knew this pandemic was going to happen. But now we're in the green space, so now it's okay for me to sit next to Mark in a kilt with you know, <laughs> no underwear. You it's see. fine. <laughs> there was nothing there. You can't see anything. Stop. Anyway. <laughs> the point that we're getting at is that we have so many fun stories to tell, and you know, we'll get to them in different episodes, but like that's what we just wanted to talk about. Uh, another interesting uh, topic that I'd like to, uh, story that I'd like to share. So, the dream intended open for Wheatus. And at, <laughs> at the time, it was right whenever I'm we got signed. I'm just a teenage dirtbag, baby. Yeah. I'm just a teenage Oh, yeah, there's, there's actually a rhythm to it. See, I'm not a singer. <laughs> Listen to Iron Maiden, baby, with you. Yeah, so you can oh, yeah, 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 that, that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I saw him with Zebrahead. Yeah, we, we opened for him, thank you. Not That's only cool. that, they invited us back to their tour bus. So I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to Brad. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because we had literally just signed with a label, a real indie label. Uh, I'm not going to say the name right now, um, but they did a lot of work with bands that were on MTV, specifically like bands they would use in like the real world, and like Road Rules, like Challenge, and like all that stuff, like bands, the indie bands that you would hear. It was kind of like a test market. Like if they liked it on that show, then they would probably like this band. You know what I mean? Like, so it was like an indie label that was like right there. Like, I'm going to let the loudies in on a secret. Cover your ears. Right go for it. <laughs> She says I'll cover the name of the label. Shut up, man. I love that cover here, dude. That was good. All right. Sorry. That was fun for me. I don't know about you guys. No, in all honesty, I probably shouldn't even say the name of the label. No, even probably if not. I did. But, like, just because I don't want to get anybody in trouble with it. At any rate. Um, <laughs> I sold you out. <laughs> Anthony, All right, anyway. Anthony yeah. Santos was our producer. Okay. Uh, and Anthony, we recorded up in New York. We did TV shows for Fox. Like, we did all this stuff. And, like, it just, it, we got signed this three, three song demo, right? We thought it was going to go so much further. And he wanted us to go further. When we met up with Weedis and we started playing the show that, you know, Anthony was like, hey, Weedis is signed to, or Hawthorne Heights, who was signed to Fuel Bar Ramen, is signed to like a sister label of ours, just to give you guys some insight. You should go over and talk to them because they're playing at a venue shortly down the road from you guys, like literally within walking distance. You should go talk to them at the meet and greet and give them some demos and like some stickers and be like, hey, like, you know, we should meet up in hopes that down the road, you could go on tour with Hawthorne Heights. And at the time, Hawthorne Heights was like, just getting big up, like, Ohio is for lovers, like the Fuel by Ramen kick with like 
Jim Glass Heroes and Fall Out Boy and all that shit was like mm-hmm. popping off, you know what I mean? Warp Tour was still a thing, like so we're like, yeah, we go down, we go to meet Weedis and we or we go to meet um excuse me, Hawthorne Heights. We get there. They're like, oh cool man, you know, here we give them a couple of CDs, we're like, check us out, you know, the CDs called Bring Up the Movies, like love it, like great. Like, yeah, cool, thanks. And as we're walking away, they're throwing them in the trash and laughing at us. And we're like, man, fuck you guys. Like, we had just went through all this trouble to get to see you, and like, this is what we get. So, there's a lot of ignorant people in the industry. Luckily, our drummer worked for a sticker company, a bumper sticker company, and we were getting our stickers on 10,000 sheet rolls. So we had like three, four rolls of stickers, like three, yeah. four thousand or thirty, forty thousand stickers. So we just stickered the whole fucking back of Hawthorne Heights bands with like the Dream Ten stickers, and then we played the show with Weedis for the amount of fun. As is needed. Yes. It has to happen. As a matter of fact, I remember a Drop Monday show where you had a guy called uh, what that Johnny Ball game. Johnny Ball game. I believe uh, I believe there's a cl- classic reference there called Getting Ball Game. Getting involved, so yeah, we'll tell this story. Trials and tribulations, talking about relationships. We had a guitar player right off the bat uh, before my brother joined us, and his name was uh, Johnny Ballgame. I remember his real name, but I'm not going to say. Yeah, Johnny Ballgame, and um, this guy could shred. Right, older guy, he was about ten years older than us. Uh, could shred and could party. So he really like taught us a ton early on about how to act as a band, how to write, how to um, how to get the crowd involved, right? He really brought John Monday along quickly. Um, but he was an alcoholic, and he was an asshole. And him and I, so I, anybody that knows me, a lot of you right now, maybe like 10 years from now, we have millions of listeners, and most of you don't, but uh, I'm a pretty easy to get along with person. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, very easygoing. I accept almost everybody. Very rarely do I find natural tension with people. Johnny was one of those people that we instantly had tension. Yeah. And I don't know why. And like I would pick him up for practice and drive him, and, and you could cut the tension with a fucking knife in a car. But we would talk and act cool. We always did. But every time some issue came up, it would always it was always he would look at me. And so first time we had an issue with him, we're playing this show at this family show. We're playing in this cool theater in Washington, PA. Family thing. There's a couple hundred people, families, kids, everything in the crowd. We're playing. Johnny can't hear his singing in the monitors. And we had told him not to put it in there because uh, it messed Brandon up. So he's screaming at the sound guy. And the sound guy's not doing anything. And he's, as he's playing, fuck you. Fine. It's going through the PA, fine. But it's not coming through the monitors. And so he's just screaming these obscenities into this crowd. We played three songs and we just, we were just like, we apologize. We're done. We walked off the stage. We grabbed John. He was like, what? Why are we quitting? And we grabbed him. We walked off the stage and we almost broke up that night or killed him. One of the two. Um, Ended up making amends, played some shows. And then we had the 4th of July party at my buddy Scott's house. And, um, we played at this 4th of July party. Well, we had a ton of people there. It was a big party, great time. Johnny wanted to be at the party, his brother's party, and wanted us to play there. 
So he was pissed off already having to be there. And he gets into liquor, a lot of whiskey, I think maybe some Viking or something. Um, he starts fighting everybody at this fucking party. He's swinging left, swinging right. People are tackling him left to right. He's calm down. Then he go after somebody else once you let him go. And um, the very end of the night, Scott's parents come home, you know. We didn't even know they were there. Johnny takes a swing at me. I said something to him when he was getting into Brandon's car, and he takes a swing at me. Before he can even finish his swing, Jay comes out of nowhere. Fucking cross his face. They both go flying to my left, right? And I'm just like, I didn't even know what happened yet. And I'm sitting there, and, and somebody grabs me right away. This kid, Baz, I remember this dude, big dude. He grabs me right away and starts holding me back, right? And I'm like, I really am like, I have no intention of fighting him. You know, like, it's, this isn't going to happen. And then I see my brother get in, and I see Johnny's hand grab my brother, and that's why I was like, that's my brother! Baz let go of me. I come running in, pop him in the top of the head with my big fucking middle knuckle, uh, and that was it. I was happy. I walked away. My brother was free. He got up. The only thing he could say is holding the top of his head, who hit me in the fucking head? And I'm sitting there laughing. And um, so basically, there was like, I don't know, five or six people beating on him that night. Uh, we don't condone gang beatings uh but it, it, <laughs> when you piss off five or six people individually yeah. they're all gonna look to get a crack in yeah. and um you know so we ended up driving him home uh we didn't he rode in brandon's car me and uh people i was with my ex-wife at the time we we uh drove and followed and then he wanted to fight us again and he wouldn't get away from brandon's car so i had to get out of the car to coax him towards us and as he came running towards me, I jumped in the car, Brandon jumped in his. We we almost backed over him getting out of the driveway. And, and that was it. So I haven't talked to Johnny in a long and since that night. Um, I know people have buddy and you know, people have seen him and stuff. I wish the guy best of luck. I got no hard feelings, you know, but yeah, uh, this is what happens when you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That's that's so, you know what I mean. Like there's so many stories that like you know, it's one thing, but, like, eventually, down the line, you're like, well, like, so let me bring up a point. Uh, okay, so a little insider on that. Buddy was the one who brought Johnny Ballgame into the band. Um, uh, so it was his acquaintance, his friend to begin with. And after that happened, Buddy wasn't a part of the beating. After that happened, uh, well, Buddy. called the beating. The beating, getting Ballgame. Right, um, one of the you know, Buddy was the next one to go like a year later, and, and I mean, you could tell from that day that his interest started to fade, and it really it affected him because he considered Johnny a friend, and you know, and, and we all did to a point. I didn't, but I considered him better than an acquaintance, you know, right. um, somebody I would have backed up if I had to, right. and uh, yeah, it was so it shows you how those things it's not like we weren't all on that same page. There were three of us that wouldn't have gone, one of us that didn't, you know. Uh, but it worked out. We had a, a good long run at it afterwards with my brother and some other people in there. I mean, it's um, like that with any band. Like, you know, like, the, not to interrupt you, but... Like, no, I'm done, the, I'm done. The dream intended had, like, the same thing with, like, drummers and guitar, mm -hmm. guitar players and stuff. And, like, you know, you have your height of your success. And, then, like, it starts to fade. And, like, you, you know, get multiple personalities into one... Yeah. creative thing and it's very difficult if you don't all think exactly alike you have to learn to compromise every one of you have to learn to compromise not everybody compromised to one person 
especially when you start writing like the same songs over and over again. Like, oh, you, yeah. you don't want to do that. You, you want to expand. Right. Like that's why like while we were in the Dream Intended, like Jake and I had so many songs that we like we moved on with Holtz and we started doing a hip hop project just to do it. We yeah. had like an entire C D worth well, of material just I think that's part of why Brandon so Brandon, the singer of Drop Monday, who was the founder of Drop Monday, ended up leaving. Another reason why we ended was he ended up doing work with the Dream Attendant. Right. Um, and it was the same thing. He got sick of the drama and the, the crap that some people brought, which he brought some of it too. You know, we all did. And um, right. so he went a different route. And it was fun. We were all very happy for him. Um, you know, it's just, it's just part of what happens. And as friends we were just more than a band i mean we're all friends me and buddy and brandon and my brother and you know cheech we're all still very close absolutely and um that was the true difference we were the main core yeah. of the group the nucleus the the five of us and um you know other people come and go and some people made it harder to maintain that nucleus and that's that's what you got to learn to get rid of right you know Right, I completely agree. Even if they're great musicians with an incredible ear. Doesn't matter. Nope, it's, nope. it's the group I, that matters. I'd rather have somebody that can follow like what somebody else writes than, and like follow it to a T than be creative and be an asshole. Like, a player just, over a musician sometimes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yep. That's how you gotta look at it. Like yep. it, it, it sucks, but that's the game that you're playing. Not only that, you have to like, know what's going to separate you from everybody else so in any brand with any artistry it's great to say yes i fit into this this genre right like mm-hmm. we were talking about in our genre episode this is my genre of like you know whatever whatever See, i hate that idea if i feel like writing a fucking funk song and i'm in a rock band i want to write a fucking funk song that's the whole point that's that's exactly my point. And if we want to do a goddamn podcast not about art, then we're going to do a goddamn podcast not about art. This, I mean, in all honesty, we're just trying to showcase and tell you. Yeah, this isn't life. even really about art. This is about our life as creators, yeah. content creators. I mean, we've done so much shit over the years. Like, uh, we're just touching music. We're not touching art and film and yeah, photography. Yeah, and, let's let's talk real quick. Um, so. Everybody asks me, like, because, like, I do a lot of photography on the side, and I think it's funny because people will be like, well, why are wedding photographers so expensive? Oh, my God. Why are wedding wedding videographers so expensive, right? Like, I had had a video company after college called uh, Paradigm Photography. And the reason that I got out of the business was because the shows that paid, like, the, the gigs that paid, like, were not gigs that I wanted to do. The reason why you pay a weddingographer like somebody who videos your wedding thousands of dollars. It's a videographer. A videographer. videographer. But I'm saying saying specifically (laughs) doing weddings, not doing like birthday parties. I actually like the term a lot. I just never heard it before. Yeah. The reason why you hire somebody like that is because if I'm going to tell you like if you ask me how much it's going to cost me for me to do to photograph your wedding your special day your occasion that's only going to happen one time right you ask me how many times i want to see that image because 
if I do it, I'm going to do it with all these different cameras. I'm going to shoot hundreds, you know, not hundreds, but I'm going to shoot probably at least 12 or 13 hours worth of footage yeah. between different cameras, different angles, everything else to cut from to make it a video, right? Do you think I want to watch that? How many times have you watched your wedding video? Think about how 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 much 12 or 13 hours of your prime time at home uh, is worth to you. How right. much an hour is worth to you. Right. You know, and then multiply that by actually having to do something during that hour that's a skill that you had to learn and put time into. That you have to watch and like go and over and like you know, over and over and cut and paste to make sure it lines up and my my point being is that you quote these ridiculous numbers and these videographers and these photographers that do strictly weddings like they quote these ridiculous figures because why they don't want to do it and if you're willing to pay for that sure i'll fucking do it they're like, quoting what it's worth to them right so let me, let me put it this way a photographer so you bring a photographer to your wedding Say they start around 8 a.m. with the makeup and um, everything, and they're done around 8 or 9 after all the festivities and this, you know, reception, right? Uh, so you're already well over a 12-hour day. Then they probably have a second shooter to get other angles and things. Um, so you got two people to pay. Right. Now that person has to go home, and they've probably taken around 1,000 to 1,500 photographs. Right. That day of, gigs, of everything. Gigs of memory. Gigs of memory. And then they have to go through each fucking one and find the best hundred, say. Right? And then go back through those hundred and edit out and edit touch and, them up. and touch them and and you yeah. know change sizes and format them for digital print. I mean, you're talking a a full 40 hour week to yeah. two weeks of work to process those photos afterwards. And you're going to say, well, just send them to me. I'll take them how they are. No, that's bullshit. You no. don't know how ugly you look until you've seen yourself in an untouched wedding photo. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into that. You don't want them untouched. Right. You want them to be looked at by a pro that understands the lighting and, uh, you know, you know, just send me all 1,500. I'll pick the ones I like. No. Plus, it's their property. You only bought the prints. It's I'm, their property. I'm gonna cut you right. Go ahead, right there. cut me off. I'm done. I, I, I believe, I believe that to an extent. However, with that being said, I'm also of that mindset of like, you should be able to take a picture. You should be able to set it up. You should be able to light it. Oh no, agree. Picture without <coughs> having, now. Yeah. When you can control your environment. Yes, when you can control your environment. In my own studio, is, I could set up my camera and yeah. just take a picture based Correct. on what I have. Correct. But when you're going in and out of dark and bright lights and everything and you need to use flashes yeah. well then you got to color correct flashes because they make ugly photos and stuff right. you know right he you bring up a very valid point and it's the same with video it's the same with like all art in a sense you know what i mean there are different regards but people don't understand they're like why does it cost so much to get a wedding video to get a wedding photographer to get a wedding this because you're capturing one day oh. you're you're going to remember for the rest of your life and imagine you, the stress on the person so if i take the photos and say the camera fucks right, up right and i lost all these photos of your one thirty thousand dollar day that you're not gonna be able to redo and i'm not gonna pay to redo fuck that's a lot of stress 
lot of I would never as a photographer I would never touch um weddings I just won't do it I've had been asked before I won't touch weddings I have done second camera and I did a horrible horrible job and the guy told me I did a horrible job because that's not my style of photography mine has always been in studio and stuff um and I knew I did a horrible job and and it was left at that. <laughs> it was like, all right, I will do it for you guys. See, I, I love doing live shit. Like, I, uh, love, I, I never have. I prefer doing live stuff to like studio setups, although I'm very good at studio setup, but like live setup, I love doing. And like when you get into like the live setups, it's like, you know, I've done several music videos and that. <laughs> I enjoy more because it's more like poetic in a way. You can look at it, you can dramatize it, and you can create something from it. When you're mm -hmm. talking about a wedding, there's only so much that you can create. What are you creating? Love. So this is what you have to try to create and replicate uh, down the road, you know. And it's the same with like a wedding band as well, too. Mm -hmm. Like you know, oh, you, like, you want people to have a good time, but like. You have to do covers that people know, otherwise they're not going to dance. They're <laughs> as not much fun as that would be, I couldn't. Right, right. That's like, could you imagine the stress of doing somebody's uh, wedding? Like playing even, the wrong song, even or DJing something. somebody's wedding. But like, so I was at a wedding this past uh, October, and I have to say it was fucking awesome. They had a wedding band that was so amazing. If I remember the name, I'll tell you guys. They were fucking epic. Uh, it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, I'll have to find the name and tell you guys. I mean, uh, not my type of thing, but man, these guys are solid. They can put on the show. Entertaining. I mean, <clears throat> so, so let's sum it up here. We've talked a lot about a lot of different things today. Um, final thoughts. <laughs> we've, had, <laughs> we've had a lot of experiences over the years. Um, oh yeah across and again we didn't get any of my professional graphic design world yet yeah yeah, yeah. We, whole another story i got i got a ton of video stories that i can tell you one of my retro joni perry don't let me forget that one because retro joni perry was <laughs> this bitch wanted me to do a show for <coughs> to film a show i do a <coughs> camera shoot and she literally calls me every day for a month straight oh. But she calls me to tell me about this new song that she's gonna do. And it would be like the ABCs or like the name game or like, and she would like call me and like sing it to me on the phone. And I'd be like, this is, it'd be like a two hour phone call while I'm editing this like six hour long after she told me it was gonna be a half an hour show video. And I'm yeah. like, shut up, please. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. But, that's another road because there's so much more to that. Story oh yeah, that we'll, we'll get into shiesty graphic design. So yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> the summer leaping out final thoughts. You know, there's a lot of behind the scenes work when it comes to art, and you gotta understand that artists themselves are afraid of what people are are going to expect from them. You know what I mean? Like everybody wants to be a rapper. Everybody wants to be a singer. Everybody wants to be a photographer, a designer, uh, whatever it may be. But the thing is, is that you have to understand where your limitations are and how far you can take it. 
and what you're willing to take to get what you want. Yeah. Because it's a give and go. It really is. Yeah. So as a final thought for me, art in itself, like even this podcast here, which is backwards because we're doing a video that are going to be podcasts. I know. We're like a broadcast. <laughs> we're, we're a broadcast. Let's get out there. A podcast. Let's do bod, podcast. All right. Whatever. So sure. we're going to do podcast. Like we're in episode nine. I think this one or the next one, we could, we'll start putting them up on uh, well, Spotify and Apple iTunes yeah. and uh, podcasts versions of this. Yeah, you'll be able to listen to it. You won't have to watch it on but Facebook or YouTube. We want you to go to Facebook, Loud Dispatch, or Instagram, Loud, excuse me, Loud Dispatch Podcast, or go to YouTube, Loud Dispatch, and like us, subscribe, follow, uh, share us with people. Um, let us, you know, if you like, if you don't like us, I could share us and make fun of us. I don't care. You know, well, tell Mark, everybody how stupid we are as long as you share us. Mark's wearing a kilt right now. I'm wearing so. a goddamn kilt with no underwear. And I'm sitting next to him. We're rubbing legs right now, actually. Could kind of you weird. imagine if there was somebody sitting between us? I could not. <laughs> really, there's no room. No, there, there's no room. I put my hand down here and I'm touching his hip and mine. So. You know what's great, though, is each week we're getting a little bit better at this. Yeah. And, uh, you know. So now we got two mics. Yeah. We're together. Well, we're I, running sound in and our video together, so you won't have a delay, I hope. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'll call out all of our blogs. So, yeah. And um, got two done today. Fucking A. At any rate, everybody, thank you so much for watching. Oh, was that my was that my final thoughts too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, oh, wanna give, you, you wanna give your final oh, thoughts? Oh, okay, yeah, I'll give final thoughts. Um Sunday fun day and rally, baby. <laughs> oh, stickers, let us know, share us and all that other crap. All right. We're loud dispatch. We wanna say bye to all the loudies. I feel like that wasn't good enough. You know what? <laughs> I know this has been going on for a while, but I'm gonna go ahead and let you take two on that. <clears throat> So, Mark, do you have any final thoughts for uh, this week? Share that shit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> have you not been entertained? Have you not? <laughs> I, I told my I wife. Do the, I want to do a whole episode. I, I want to try and learn Christopher Walken's voice. Do a whole episode of Christopher Walken. You know, and then I want to do a whole Bane episode. Do you know that, oh, Gotham. Do you know that Christopher Walken is like a professional picture? Oh, yeah. I've seen his uh, Fat Boy Slim video. Well, yeah. yeah, but I'm saying he's not going to Ah, you're talking to my guy all wrong. Do it again. That'd be the face of fire. I can't do it. I had a cover. <laughs> so I went to college with a good buddy of mine, Mike Tack. See him on Facebook and shit. He does the best Christopher Walken I've ever seen in my life. And it was so good that we had to do a group presentation once. And I told him. I was like, you're going to go first, and you're going to do the whole, your whole part as Christopher Walken. And it was perfect, because everybody in the class was laughing so hard at how good as Christopher Walken was. Didn't matter what the fuck we said. No one was paying attention. It was perfect. Oh, that's totally it. It was, uh, dude. So, Sunday fun day. You can't expect much from me. Yeah. So at any rate, we're going to try to do this again real soon. We're on episode nine. Uh, we're going to do episode 10 on grilling, but our wives and children are hungry. Right now. Yeah. 
and you know what? We're kind of drunk. We were kind of drunk. We, we needed to sober up a little bit. We, we did some grilling. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I probably want to do that all episode. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. No foul. No foul. No foul on the play. I'll pick up my flag. I'll, you know I'll be picking that up as soon as we're done. I just yeah, wanted to do yeah, that. That no, looked great. Fine. It was great. It was right. fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> listen, Rob Dispatch, we're going to sign off here. Thank you so much for watching. Share us. Good night, loudies. Have a good night.